Good morning, everyone, and happy Father's Day. Welcome to our Wolf Wisdom Gathering in Nature's Classroom on Nature's Path. Everybody knows Dakota now. <laughs> Good boy. Go for it. Dakota's our alpha male, so we're celebrating him and then our real big alpha <laughs> male, which is my husband, Paul, and our founder. So happy Father's Day to everybody else. <laughs> you know, the, the name of my talk today is called Heroic Measures. And um, for any father, you already know what I'm talking about. The links that you will go for your offspring. And um, I know for the, the wolf pack, and um, mostly learning it from Dakota, and the benevolence of it. So Dakota from the very beginning wanted to meet his puppies. I have pictures of him hanging his head over top of the fence, keeping him away from the puppies and just trying to get a glimpse of them. <laughs> now in the wild, they don't see their puppies until they're at least four weeks old before they come out of the den. And that's the, you know, the ones in warmer climate and the ones in colder climate, they don't see for 11 to 12 weeks. All they know is that they're there and that they go and get food for the mom, and they make sure that she has enough food to feed the puppies so that they all survive. And um, in our experience, Dakota did not eat unless I took him away in the middle of the night into the laundry room and fed him by hand, because he was doing without. Now in the wild, you would think that they would, if there was extra food, they would then eat that, which is interesting because Dakota knew there was plenty of food. He wasn't starving. He was always going to have food, but he was going to not eat for his pack. That's pretty heroic measures, you know, those kind of sacrifices. Um, and then, of course, you know, he was a teenage dad. <laughs> but um, <laughs> which, <laughs> that's a whole other story. <laughs> but man, from the get-go, he was with them. He was teaching them. He was um, disciplining them. Very early on, on a Sunday morning around 7.30, we woke up and Chinoa and Taya had dug into the neighbor's yard next door. And they had these little, um, well, of course, they were like this big. They were four weeks old about. And um, the neighbors had those little yappy dogs, you know, those little <laughs> scrappy yappies. <laughs> and they were gone. Dakota was running back and forth. The rest of the puppies, who I guess didn't want to leave the pack, were running back and forth with him. I had to go sheepishly knock on the door at 7.30 in the morning of our neighbor and go, two are little wolf pups are in your yard. <laughs> and then Paul met me at the fence and we handed them over, right? And Dakota immediately put them on the ground. He was so upset that they left. And of course, that's when the root barriers went in. <laughs> But, um, man, he's just like that leader, that leader of the pack, that dad that you always want that is always there. Every morning, it doesn't matter who's up first. He wakes up, he starts howling, and they all check in. And he's the only one that does that. And unless Paul is starting them, Dakota starts the singing. Always. And they never not let him know that they're there. They never not just go into this call of the, the wild and their arms, you know, call to arms. 
But this acquiescence, this um, knowing that fatherhood is bigger than you, you know? Now, I'm a wolf mom. I'm not a, a, a human mother. <laughs> I never had children. Paul never had human children. But I've held infants in my hand, and it's pretty awesome. And I don't mean like awesome. I mean it's pretty awe-inspiring when an infant is in your care. And I can't imagine what that would feel like. I know what it feels like to have the puppies that I raised and bottle-fed. You know, but I have no idea what it feels like to have this thing that was made from you in your care. And we're going to celebrate that today. Dan Pierce says, children are gifts. They are not ours for the breaking. They are ours for the making. So before we begin, we'll start with um, our opening meditative song. For those of you who haven't been here before, we just uncross ourselves and let everything kind of relax. <laughs> you don't have to hold on to yourself. The chair you're sitting in will hold you, and Mother Earth has that chair. You can't fall. So, there you go. the calling of the wind. You can hear the creation around us. You can see in these beautiful mountains surrounded by this nature and around each other that there is a creative intelligence. This energy, this force, whatever you want to call it, it's called by many names and whatever it is that resonates with you, I do call it God. But this creative energy, this force, this thing that created the most magnificent thing that you can imagine, you are made of this stuff. You are perfect, whole, and complete, mathematically correct in every single way, flowing with this energy, this force, this creative energy, and this spirit. And you were designed uniquely as a snowflake, as any other little molecule. There is nothing identical to you in all of space and time. And you have and you came with a divine purpose, I believe. And your heart's desire leads you in that direction. 
always. If we just listen and remember who we are. And I claim for each and every one of you that this remembering is happening all the time, that you remember who you are and you know that you have these beautiful, exciting gifts that you came here with to share with humanity and share with the oneness of all the universe and every living thing. I know this to be a universal truth and I'm grateful for this knowledge. I know it for you too. And despite appearances to the contrary, your purpose here is still getting served. You matter that much. And so I am grateful for all the good that has come before me, the good that's sitting here now in front of me, and the good that's coming into and through all of time. And I release these words knowing that there is truth to them, that they're held in the hands of this grace. And I say, and so it is. Amen, which means so be it. Aho, which is the native. Terry Gillimit says this, I love my father as the stars. He's a bright shining example of a happy twinkling in my heart. <laughs> you know, parents are these special creatures in our worlds. Um, and it doesn't even matter what relationship you had with them or did not have with them. We are born with this knowledge of our parents. We were watching a TV show the other day, or I was watching it last night, I don't remember, anyway. Um, but there was a, a child that was kidnapped, right? And they were talking about a father, and the policeman who is the father said, when your child is in trouble, you know it. Nobody has to tell you, you can feel it. And I thought, you know, that has, I think that's true. I believe that's true. And I know parents who have shared with me that they were not present with their children and knew they were in trouble. My mother used to, when I was spending the night with somebody else, and she goes, were you cold last night? And yeah, there was no cover. Because <laughs> she was freezing all night. We are connected on this level in a way that we don't always acknowledge and that other people debunk, right? And so it makes you not want to share it, <laughs> but you have these feelings, you know? I know mothers who have um, children who have passed. And they're always there. That sense does not leave you. Those senses, those six senses or whatever you want to call it, but those connections are very, very strong and they're very, very powerful. Joseph Campbell says, a hero is someone who has given his or her life to something bigger than oneself. Once you become a father, that is true. Once you become a parent, it's bigger than you. It happened to us. Once we became parents of these wolves and took that kind of responsibility with them and connected to them as though they were our individual um, charges, do you know what I mean? Like we would do with children. That's how we treat them, and that's how we dedicated our lives to them. So I do understand it on that level. There's nothing that we wouldn't do for these guys. 
hence why we're here. <laughs> For anybody who knows this story, you know, anybody knows of what we went through and what we tried to do in the years that we put into, um, you know, saving Shadow from her cancer. It was our entire life's mission. Everything we did was dedicated to making sure she got through it. This is big doings. Tom Hanks says a hero is somebody who voluntarily walks into the unknown. <laughs> now, I think that then that makes all of humanity a hero because every single day we step into the unknown and we don't know what's going to happen and we are responsible for every step we take and every choice we make. So this heroic measures, you know, that we're talking about is kind of an ordinary thing. Even though when you talk about heroes and heroic measures, you think of these, you know, like Christopher Reeve as Superman, and I found a couple of quotes from him. Um, Christopher Reeve says this, a hero is an ordinary individual who finds the strength to persevere and endure in spite of overwhelming obstacles. So who's too young to remember Christopher Reeve as the first Superman? Well, a lot of people who know those movies know that he's the only Superman there was, and everybody else is kind of a carbon copy. He also says this, what makes Superman a hero is not that he has power, but that he has the wisdom and the maturity to use that power wisely. From an acting point of view, that's how I approach the part. And then he had to do it in life when he broke his neck and became a, a quadriplegic in a chair and still took care of his family and still went out and talked and still, you know, became a hero to many, many people. He was truly my Superman in that way. When I think of Superman, he is my image. Sitting in that chair, coming out on stage, not being able to breathe on his own and arriving with a smile on his face. George Herbert says, one father is worth more than a hundred schoolmasters. <laughs> there is nobody can teach you and inspire you the way your dad can. And Dan Pierce says, loving my son, building my son, touching my son, playing with my son, being with my son, these aren't tasks that only super dads can perform. These are tasks that every dad should perform always without fail. Right? I had the honor of being asked to be a godmother to my best friend and her husband and her children. And um, Danny, my friend, has an extraordinary story. Good morning, happy Father's Day. So my friend Danny has a very extraordinary story uh, story. <laughs> he was um, the last born of 12 kids living in a one-bedroom apartment in Brooklyn, New York with a single mom. <sighs> right? And so um, when his first child was born, I was like, how does it feel to be a dad? And he said to me, um, I don't know. He had no reference. He knew other people's dads. He had no idea 
what a dad Titterman is on that level. He just knew he, this is his job now, right? And um, uh, their second child was when I was asked, and he said, how does it feel to be a mother? And some of you know my story. And um, I went, I don't know. <laughs> I guess I'm going to find out, you know? So uh, this is for all of the, uh, the dads that come in the form of single moms and brothers and sisters and uncles and cousins. Do you know what I mean? That take on those responsibilities when there isn't that parent present. You know, on Mother's Day, I would say the same thing for the fathers who have the mothers. And you know what I mean? That, that are absentee or that are passed away or that are not present. You understand? We're all the mothers and fathers of each other. When we have to be. When Paul is not here, I am the dad at home. I got to tell you. You know, dealing with these males, especially with Khan, <laughs> Antoinette and I, between the two of us, we are the dads during the day. And then Paul gets home and it's as though we did not exist, right? <laughs> Dad walks in the door and it's like, Dad's home! <laughs> and they go and bury their heads in his lap and it's like this incredible relationship, you know? And they just need to see Dad, especially the males. I don't know for mothers that have sons, but, you know, at a certain point, they don't belong to you anymore. <laughs> Only in a certain way, like when Freedom wants to um, get protection from not doing what, he wants, what Paul wants him to do, then he's my best friend. <laughs> but when um, I'm calling him and Paul is present, the only place he goes is to Paul first. I don't exist. It's like, well, hello. You know, I only bottle fed you. <laughs> but this relationship that we have with our parents is so amazing. And Richard Paul Evans says this, broken vows are like broken mirrors. They leave those who held to them bleeding and staring at fractured images of themselves. That's what it feels like when a parent is absent or not present enough or didn't quite make it in that way. And I just want to give a shout out to Sonny, who is, um, that's what uh, Paul's dad was called by his mom. Um, now he's since passed, but um, he was kind of an absentee father even though he was present because before he was a father, he was in Korea and came home with a purple heart and was a sole survivor. And so that made him, it made it difficult for him to join back into the world, you know, and to be present in a way for his kids. Even though the love was always present. I mean, if you turn around and look at Paul right now, he knows his father loved him, even though that came from a generation where they never said that out loud. It came from generations where that was something that was, you just didn't say to your, you didn't say out loud. 
I find it fascinating, but you know, that's where my grandparents were. My grandfather was about the same way. Oh, well, they know. <laughs> so three little words, I love you, are the most difficult thing to say. And yet the job that was done for the children was present. I'm very aware what my parents were able to do and what they were not able to do. And it's generational. You, talk, you know what I mean? We're talking about generation after generation. And it seems to get better every generation because we seem to learn more about how to love each other in a more universal way. And we now have psychology to teach us. Do you know what I mean? How your brain works. But that connection I was talking about earlier, that connection to your parent and the parent to the child is always present. Despite appearances to the contrary. Whoever you are and wherever it is and whatever you think about your parents at this point. Jennifer Donnelly says, I know it is a bad thing to break a promise, but I think now it is the worst thing to let a promise break you. So the humanity of a parent that was going through, just amusing Sonny as an example. <laughs> His name is Lou. And I never got the opportunity to meet him. But I think he did the best under the circumstances that were given to him. And you have to know that. But as a child, the broken promises can fracture your spirit. And I think that's what this quote means, is that don't let those promises that got broken break you now. Because that's when the legacy gets passed on. You know, there is that thing called the legacy of abuse. It's a real thing psychologically. That unless you heal it, do you know what I mean? And take it in and let it up. And take responsibility for your heart now and how you're going to use it and how you're going to treat humanity and the rest of the world, then you are going to pass down and down and down and down this legacy of abuse that you believe you were a victim of. Bob Riley says, hard times don't create heroes. It is during the hard times when the hero within is revealed. I go back to my friend Danny. I had no dad. Just think about it, guys. Close your eyes. A one-bedroom apartment in Brooklyn, New York, with one single mother and 12 children. Just imagine. And she worked three jobs, put them all through school, put them all through college. He's an optician. He's got, he's got brothers and siblings who are doctors <laughs> and attorneys. You know what I mean? That takes some. That takes some chutzpah. That takes some strength. That takes being a mom and a dad at the same time. And I have met this woman, Maria. <laughs> She's a tough cookie. And she has earned all her stripes and all of her... <laughs> her scars and her marks. She's a pretty incredible woman. 
Fred Rogers says, anyone who does anything to help a child in his life is a hero to me. We know Fred Rogers, right? Okay. Robert Downey Jr. says this, do I want to be a hero to my son? You know, Iron Man. No, I would like to be a very real human being. That's hard enough. <laughs> Isn't it true? It'd be nice to strive to be a hero, but you know what I mean? Just being a real human being and not losing your temper when you're under stress. And you know what I mean? It's just, it's amazing what you have to go through just to be a real human being, stay down to earth, keeping it real, telling the truth, being with your children in a loving way, letting the day go, kissing them goodnight, making sure that they are safe and sound. I killed the monsters. That's what fathers do. That's F.K. Wallace. That's what I wanted. I couldn't go to sleep with my closet door. It was open about that much because I thought there were alligators under my bed on my blue carpet. <laughs> <laughs> There's green carpet in the living room. It was the 70s. <laughs> and I made them move my bed so that when in the middle of the night when I had to get up and go to the bathroom, I could jump from my bed, which is a boat, into the green of the living room so I didn't get eaten by the alligators. And then my closet door was on this side. So whatever was in there with the dark closet door this open in that dark, I could not go in back in my room until my dad got up in the middle of the night and had to go and close the door and get me from the green carpet to the bed. In all my life, that is heroic to me. That's what I needed my dad. That's what you remember. Do you know what I mean? That you hold on to. Those are the things that, the, that keeps the broken promises. Do you know what I mean? In your heart of hearts as your dad. Mary McCarthy says, we all live in suspense from day to day. In other words, you are the hero of your own story. <laughs> we are all heroes. I know this is Father's Day and I'm celebrating that in a special way, but you know, this heroic measure is just to be alive and be walking on this planet. You are heroically facing each day. And the older I get, the more I understand how significant that is. And how important what you think happened over a, a year or two span of time is that insignificant. I'm writing um, my book finally. It's called Diaries of Wolf Mom. And um, finally got it into a way where I can actually schedule and didn't start writing. And so I'm writing these pages and I'm remembering these words and I'm reliving my life in the way that is impressing me. I'm surprising myself. Because I remember what it felt like at the time right? At the time that you're living your life and you're living through all the stresses and you're trying to make the bills happen and then this happens and then you have a car accident or this happens and you know what I mean? It's like all these things that you're struggling through in order to make your mark on the world and live this divine purpose, right? The older I get, I understand I was living it then. 
as much as I'm living it now. And that it is as important as what I was doing right then as what I am doing today. And it's an all accumulation of this life's mission, you know? Like it is the wolves' job to nurture the environment, heal the environment that they're in, because they're a keystone species, and that's what they were built for. We have oxygen to breathe, and we have water sources that help life just flourish everywhere. And that's their job, along with beavers and fig trees and bats and bees and elephants. These are our keystone species. These are the ones we need to know that we need to protect because they are protecting all of life so that we can live on the planet. Ralph Waldo Emerson says, a hero is no braver than an ordinary man, but he is brave five minutes longer. There's this great quote from a 12-step program, and also it was introduced to me by Paul, is to just don't quit five minutes before the miracle. <laughs> Don't quit five minutes before the miracle, right? And you can hear them. There they go. Can you imagine we just waited five minutes longer, right, to show up in a lot of occasions? And this is by someone unknown. A truly rich man is one whose children run into their arms when their hands are empty. Danny, my friend, one of the, my favorite moments with him is that he got home from work and his uh, Adrian was about this big and his little baby. And he just was reaching from his, you know, I was holding him and he just was reaching like this for his dad. And he got to his dad and he's, he's not big enough to hug, but he was just like, this in his chest. <laughs> Just like in heaven in his dad's chest next to his heart. This is who we are to each other. This is what it's meant to be. And as I was watching that, I was like, yes, that. That's what's supposed to happen. Right? This is kind of my extended family. <laughs> <laughs> One day, he was walking up the stairs um, to the apartment, and the kids were like, he's home, he's home. And he walks in the door, and they literally jump on him and take him to his knees, and they are rolling on the ground and on the floor with each other, laughing and hugging. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful. It's an amazing thing. Antoine Francois Provost says this, the heart of a father is the masterpiece of nature. You know, my husband Paul does not have children, but he does have 10 wolves. And we had 11 together, and he had two before that. Actually, we had 12 together. I'm forgetting one. And um, by all intents and purposes, I'll just give you an idea. You know, the, uh, uh, well, Khan is very mouthy. We know some of you who know him know he's very mouthy. And um, 
Paul was just telling him to be gentle the other day. <laughs> and he did to him just what Dakota does to him. I was looking out the window because I heard him and it's like, gentle, gentle. And was it working? All of a sudden he grabbed him by the neck, put pressure on him and bit him over his nose. Put his mouth over to Wakan's nose, bit him, and then it let go and Wakan was like a bow <laughs> in front of him. Bowed right down and onto the ground. So impressive. Didn't hurt him, just like you see Dakota when he does it to him. It didn't hurt him, but it is a it is a um, a pressure point. Do you know what I mean? That brings you to reality. That brings him to whatever is driving him to settle him down in order to get him to the ground. Right, that moment where you know he means it, but he's not being mean. that kind of respect in this hierarchy, right? You know what I mean? It's not because he was bowing because Paul is the king or the alpha dog or whatever. It's, it is bowing going, oh, okay, 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 I got it. He's learned something new. He's learned to settle himself down through the process. He has learned from this parent that teaches them how to survive and how to be around and be with the other animals and be with us. And it's quite magnificent. Paul is also, and I'm just going to give a, Paul is a father to every single one of his employees. He has 22 to 25 employees with Tree King. And he's been there for every single birth of every single child. <laughs> and since 2008, he has done everything possible to make sure that everybody eats. That we eat and that they eat. And it's still a big struggle because it's shifted and it has changed. And yet every single one of his employees he takes care of as though they are part of his family. Because that's who he is. You know? People call him boss. They call him chief. <laughs> There's all kinds of little names that they call him, but they understand that he makes sure that they have what they need. And I can tell you from the finances, I know what we would have if he wasn't making sure of that. But I have a man, you know, in my life that treats humanity the way I want to be treated and the way I want him to treat humanity. I want us as a community to take care of each other and make sure that everybody eats. And that should be the job of every single employer rather than looking at the bottom line. Instead of it looking at the people who show up for you every day and hurt themselves, do you know what I mean? And injure themselves and get really hot working outside carrying things, you know what I mean? And making it happen and making it proudly a, a company that you want to be with and to be for. So I applaud my, my husband who is father of our whole world. William Shakespeare says, when a father gives to his son, both laugh. When a son gives to his father, both cry. <laughs> William's Wordsworth 
Father, to God himself, we cannot give a holier name. Even in the Native American, do you know it's the great mystery? And it's the great spirit and it's the Father's sky. Mother Earth, life comes from the Earth. The Father's sky surrounds us, watches over us. Those, that polarization is what keeps us steady, keeps us feeling safe, lets us know who we are. Jamie Sam says this, the red race sees great mystery as the life force in all of creation, and not as an angry, jealous God. Great spirit is seen as an unlimited creative force within great mystery that feeds all of creation all the time. To limit the power of creation in ourselves or others is a human concept. If we acknowledge the limitlessness of great mystery, we must acknowledge that this life force is also a part of our makeup because we are created by that same original source. I say this every single prayer and opening moment that I talk about wolf wisdom. Original source is the creator of all life, and we are created in that likeness. We are free-willed co-creators who become the source of all we choose to experience in life. The buck stops here. Gratitude for all of your lessons changes any pain to gain. Original source shows us that the mystery lives within us, and contains all the answers we need to find along our sacred path. I've had a lot of spiritual teaching through my, my life. But just those three paragraphs say everything that I have ever learned that I find universally to be true. And it's freeing this free will that we have written everywhere. We have this free will. It would be nice for us to use that free will knowing who we really are. Knowing that there's divinity in us. That we are made from all of the divine. And that there is a purpose for us to be here. And to spread that love. To know ourselves as love. To understand that it's only love. We met a woman yesterday who came to see the wolves, and she thought, I'm just going to see wolves, and she's a cancer survivor. And you can tell that she's just coming out of, and she spoke of her chemo. But we were talking about what they teach us is love. It's all love. <laughs> and uh, she came up after, and she goes, I thought I was just going to meet wolves. I didn't know I was going to hear this universal truth. <laughs> I didn't know that it was going to help me, do you know what I mean, and confirm for me how important life is in my life and you know and so I didn't even have to stand up and do a talk like this she just got to meet Dakota and the rest of his pack and she felt a healing and on, on Saturdays that's not necessarily our intention but that's what lands that's what's landing Dakota means friend to everyone He was this big when I named him. Because I just knew. I just knew. And there he is. 
as big as life and as big as love and as big as magnificence and as big in wisdom and as big as a heart can be. Noshi is his first name we don't use, but Paul just reminded me, Noshi in Algonquin means father. We knew that would be his uh, job in the pack. So it's Noshi Dakota. Wherever you come from and whatever learning that you've had and whatever um, upbringing you've had and whatever relationship you have, there's, there's light and spark and stars in those moments, like my moments, do you know what I mean? With the closing of the closet so that I could sleep, right? Just being there for that responsibility. You don't have to say anything else, but just that your children know that that's what you know for them. Lasts a lifetime. And kind of you can just breathe everything else away and take that to heart and take that out into the world and take that to your children and your grandchildren and your animals and your fellow human beings. And so that's what I encourage you to do. Anyway, I'm going to turn this over right now to Greg. He's going to sing Wonderwall by Oasis. Um, I did read a little bit about, come on up, um, what Wonderwall means. And a Wonderwall means the person that you, um, this is just these assumptions, but I like this, this um, idea of interpretation that Wonderwall is a, is a person that you cannot not think about that has that impression for you. Anyway, welcome, Greg. Thank you. Today is going to be the day that they're going to throw it back at you. By now you should have somehow realized what you gotta do I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now Backbeat, the word is on the street that the fire in your heart is out I'm sure you've heard it all before but you never really had a doubt I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now And all the roads we have to walk are winding And all the lights that light the way are blinding There are many things that I would like to say to you And I don't know how Cause maybe You're gonna be the one that saves me And after all You're my 
sooner or later, that the man before him was not an aging father, but a boy, a boy much like himself, a boy who grew up and had a child of his own, and as best he could out of a sense of duty and perhaps love, adopted a role being called father, so that his child would have something mythical and infinitely important, a protector who would keep a lid on all the chaotic and catastrophic possibilities in life. Once again, thank you for all our fathers. Thank you, thank you for all our heroes who do multiple roles in our lives as fathers too. Oh, I appreciate it. Oh my goodness. I'm just looking at the dads in the room. <laughs> As you guys know, I don't do um, uh, a basket. I don't pass a basket. But if you have a love offering for us, and if you're listening at home to our podcast, um, donations are very graciously accepted. It's the way we keep the lights on and keep the wool set and keep me standing up here. So thank you very much for your generosity in advance. Um, also, we do have the podcast. So if you would, um, we actually lost... Um, our person that kind of put them up for a while, but now we're back on a roll. So we will catch up soon. So um, there's about six talks that haven't been up and they'll be up very, very soon. Um, thank you, Steve <laughs> and Greg. You all figured it out for me. Yay. <laughs> so anyway, join our podcast, like us um, and share us and follow us and do all of that stuff. 
Anyway, um, for those of you who um, don't know that we have this kind of ritual process on a Sunday, that there's a burden basket um, right outside. You can write your burdens on a piece of paper, wad them up and throw them in the basket, and I will release them in a prayer later on. Um, the Native Americans believed that your burdens didn't belong to you and that you should release them as soon as possible. And um, we also have a joy jar, so if you would like to join the gratitude that we have and anything that good is happening to you that you want to share, we don't read them out loud. Just write it on a piece of paper and put that energy in that little Navajo bowl out there that's turquoise with a black wolf on it. And um, we just want you to know that um, there's refreshments here and a community here that we're growing. So when, if you would like to come up and bring your friends and come again, that would be so fabulous. <laughs> and um, I think that's it for now. We're going to go see the wolves. It's stopped raining, so we can all go visit. And uh, there you go. So namaste, everyone. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Carla. <laughs> I got distracted. Um, anyway, we're going to do our closing song called The Face of God, and it has sang language to it. You are the face of God. I hold you in my heart. You are a part of me. You are the face of God. Mm -hmm. 